Before we start this episode, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners on the land on which we're recording this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to their elders, both past, present, and emerging. Always was, always will be. Hey, I'm Sam Squires. Welcome to On Her Mind, where we delve deep into the big issues affecting women in sport, providing thoughtful background analysis, insight, and opinion. In this episode, we're going to be counting down our top five moments for women in sport in 2022. If you haven't listened to our best of the rest yet, go back and listen to that. Uh, Amy and I struggled, so struggled, because it has been such an incredible and progressive year for women in sport. We struggled to fit just five moments into one episode. So we decided to do our best of the rest and then our top five. Uh, and as I mentioned, I welcome back listener, Sydney News editor, Amy Goggins to give me her top five. Thanks for coming back. You are welcome. It's so good. And as you said, there were so many great moments. And, you know, you and I, we could have done three, four, five episodes on this. We could have kept going. So. We could have kept talking. But we have. We've yes. narrowed it down to these uh these topped five, it was very tricky. And we, we were going back and forth, you and I, a few disagreements. But mm. um, I think mm. we've we've landed on something pretty solid. <laughs> I'm, Excellent. I'm going right. to kick well, us let's off. let's not keep everyone waiting. Yeah, the you anticip- kick us off. What's anticipation. Your, what's your top five? So your fifth? The fifth one, uh, Aussie Women's Cricket World Cup final win. And Alyssa Healy, uh, look, her incredible effort. She was absolute mm. superstar. She smashed the greatest innings ever seen in a Cricket World Cup final. Now, that's by a man or a woman. That's Mm. ever. That's just incredible. It was her stunning 170 from 138 balls. Like, that's just unbelievable, incredible to watch. And it saw Australia obviously take out the World Cup um, with a 71-run win over the defending champions, England, Mm. um, with, yeah, Alyssa Healy just absolutely dominating, leading the charge, um, this handed the Aussies their seventh title, which is just in itself such an incredible achievement. Mm. Um, and this wasn't a one-off from Healy either. She backed up with, she had 129 in the semi-final against the West <laughs> Indies. She was out at that crease for a very long wasn't time. She? she passed the 500 runs for the tournament, which again is such a milestone and an incredible yeah. achievement by a man or a woman. So, you know, the yeah. fact that she... Her 170 actually beat Adam Gilchrist, who um, Mm -hmm. had the record on 149 for the highest individual score in a World Cup final. So um, the fact that that, didn't she? She just smashed that record like she smashed those 170. I I was going to say she um, she knocked it for six for that one. So she absolutely (laughs) killed his record. So (laughs) the fact that she went out on top, the Aussies took out the World Cup for me. That that comes in um, in our top five. That is just an incredible achievement. Seeing them like watermelons, wasn't she? And what a year it was for the Aussie women's cricket team as well. As you said, that that World Cup win, Elisa Healy, 170. And um, they also won the gold in the Commonwealth Games as well. That didn't even make our list. So mm. is the incredible year that we've had. Um, my fourth moment for women in sport, um, I it, it's a bit different. It's a moment, mm. um, not an individual um, achievement. And it's the attendance records that we broke. And there were so many of them smashed across the board all around the world. And this goes for something that I've been told a really long time in my career as I've always stood on my soapbox campaigning for women in sport is that people will not watch Mm. 
women's sports. People don't like to go to watch. You will never fill a stadium. You will never have big crowds. Um, People don't watch women's sports. That's what we've been told. Um, We always knew it was possible to be at that. That wasn't true and knew it was possible to fill these stadiums. And this year they have smashed some attendance records. Let me start. This one happened overseas. 91,553 people crowded in to Camp Nou in Barcelona Mm -hmm. for the Champions League quarterfinal clash, women's quarterfinal clash between Barcelona and Real Madrid. 91,500 people. That smashed a 23-year record for attendance at a women's soccer match that was set in 1999 at the Women's World Cup final in the US. US versus China at the Rose Bowl. I, if you can watch the ESPN doco, the 99ers, that, you know, shows what a big achievement was in 1999. They filled that Rose Bowl um, stadium in the US and it was this massive moment for women in sport. But that happened in 1999. Mm-hmm. 23 years later, it's taken us to be able to smash that record and they did it in that Champions League quarterfinal clash. That was in March. Three weeks later... Barcelona broke their own record. <laughs> 91,648 people were at Camp Nou again for the Champions League semi-final against Wolfsburg and Barcelona. So that now stands 91,648. I just just love and it just goes that, you know, people don't watch women's sports. Mm-hmm. The Women's State of Origin crowd record was also smashed this year. 11,321 saw New South Wales beat Queensland 20 to 14. In Canberra, GIO Stadium that was in June, then in July, 68,871 people, the biggest crowd ever at a UEFA women's Euro match, saw England's opening clash against Austria at Old Trafford, at Old Trafford, Trafford, <laughs> at Old Trafford, smashing the previous record of 41,000 that was set That's in amazing. 2013. 68,000 people for that opening clash for the Lionesses. Um, then in just a couple of weeks later, 87,192 people turned up for England, the Lionesses' final against Germany, in which they won an incredible moment for England football. Um, That set the all-time Euros finals record, men or women, and that was at Wembley. So the women, again, making history with their crowds there. Uh, So that was in July. In October, the NRLW final, that was a record crowd for the grand final, sorry, at a course stadium. That was 42,921 people saw Newcastle beat the Eels. Then in November, how is this? Do you remember the scenes from this? 42,579 people were at a sold-out Eden Park in New Zealand Mm -hmm. for the Rugby World Cup final between New Zealand and England in which New Zealand won and their captain led the whole stadium into this song um, after the match. It was just this beautiful moment, as I said. Women don't watch sport, apparently, and mm-hmm. no one's going to watch women's sports, apparently. But, yeah, just if that's all those records smashed yeah. this year, look out what's going to come in years to come. And, Sam, we spoke about in our earlier episode about, um, you know, pay equality and how we're taking some steps forward in that. You know, it really does show that, you know, more people are watching Money is starting to get a little bit more equal, though we have a long way to go with that still. But it yeah. does show that, you know, there is a little bit of progress uh, happening and it's it's exciting. It's exciting mm. times to be in women's sports. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's that's fantastic. 
Look, moving on to number three, and look, a little bit of debate about this one, to be honest, because I would have put this a Mm. little bit further back in my top five, but we've Mm. landed on this being number three, um, and this is Serena Williams and her, I'm going to say so-called retirement announcement because (laughs) she, um, you know, announced that she was, and she never used the R word, she never said that she was retiring um, (laughs) in August. She said that she was evolving away from tennis. It was an essay that she had written in Vogue. Um, and she she said that she never liked using the word retirement, saying it doesn't feel like a modern word. Um, so I guess it kept mm. plenty of people guessing, going, well, hang on, is she stepping away or is she not? Or is she, <laughs> is she playing on or, or whatnot? But look, she did have her last match um, at the US Open, um, 42 years old, aiming for her 24th Grand Slam title um, ended when she lost to Aussie player Isla Tomjanovic. And look, I don't know about you, but I was really torn during this game because you're watching and you, you're kind of wanting the Aussie to win because, you know, she's an absolute superstar. But then oh, yeah. I was like, oh, you don't want it to end kind of for Serena. No. You wanted it to continue and, um, you know, do everything that she has done in tennis. It, it would have mm-hmm. been great to see her go out a, a winner. Um but she didn't. Um, she 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 lost that game, um, and it was the most watched tennis match in history on ESPN with four point eight million viewers tuning mm. in to um to see. Look, since that game, she has said that she could return. Um, she might, in fact, chuck a Tom Brady, um, which it is now known as the NFL quarterback. Um, of course, the comeback king, and she might chuck a Tom Brady and and come back, but. Um, mm. I don't know. It's a it's a tough one, but you know everything that she's achieved in the sport, it's incredible. Mm. She's such a competitor. Yeah. She, her determination, her strength, her power, um, the the excitement that she brings to the court. Mm. You know her flair. We we always love seeing what Serena's going to wear when she steps out on court. Um, her mm. along with her sister Venus, um, they've just really set this path for for women in mm. tennis. And she has been incredible to watch. Is it over? I mean. Probably, I don't, but I don't know. Be. She might come back. And, th- <laughs> and people might be wondering why we put a retirement as a top five or mm. even as number three. But I think you have to reflect on what Serena has done to the game mm. to understand why this goes so far, so high up, and why this was such a big moment. I mean, she she changed the game. She is more than a pioneer. She's She's a complete game changer. I mean, she redefined for us women in sport. She redefined beauty. She redefined body image. She redefined mm. equality. She campaigned for for equal pay and was was such a champion in being able to do that and, and redefine the terms on which they achieve equal pay, but also what she did for progression for 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 um women of um Sorry, how would I say it? Uh, women of colour. But what she was able to do for women of colour, for women, for mothers mm. as well, mm. she just was such a game changer, not just on the court, but that was her platform to really create some incredible social change, which I think really gets lost a little bit now and people take that for granted. So I just don't, I've never seen anyone be able to do what she did on the court 
more than that, what she was able to do off it, and I think every tennis player and woman and mother and person of colour at the moment is is benefiting from the fight that she put up her whole career and she never backed down from a fight. Yeah, and that's so true on and off, yeah. The most incredible woman and that's why, you know, her leaving the game makes that top five and even as, as high as three and, I mean, I'm excited that the door might be open. Uh, I love that she keeps teasing us. Um, that's what's annoying me, I think. I'm just like, you know what? Just call it. Yes or no. You know you're out. Oh, <laughs> just... It's been such a part of her, right? Since she was a kid, it'd be so hard to kind of give up. But, yeah. you know, I think she I think she needed tennis to be the platform to create that kind of change. And mm. I think now in her post-tennis career, Serena is big enough. Serena is her own platform oh, to gosh, still yeah. be able to create that kind of um, change that she wants to see. She's got, you know, her venture capital firm, um, as well in which she's investing in women projects, people of colour projects. And, yeah, I think exciting times for uh, for Serena, whether she comes back onto the court mm. or not. But, I think um, there'll be plenty of good to be done off um, yeah. and I can't wait to see personally what she does in this next chapter of her life. Um, yeah. I yeah. think there'll be some some big moments for her. So Yeah. Mm. yeah. And we could have come back beyond plague. That is a perfect segue Yes. Talking about comebacks on the plate mm. for the next one. Number two, we have the Opals World Cup campaign, their bronze medal, and, of course, the GOAT, LJ, Lauren Jackson, making her comeback, which is just incredible for her to come back to the game after so long out of it. We didn't know, you know, we, she was playing in the WNBL 1. If you have the chance, listen to the podcast that I did with her and she just kept getting better and better and kept progressing. And then she wouldn't say for sure whether she was going to come back to the Opals, but Sandy Brundello, the coach, invited her to the Opals camp. Sandy Brundello came on on her game as well and talked about those early days that she actually didn't think that Lauren was going to progress as far as she did and be able to do because the injury, you know, stopped and made her um, retire from the international mm. game early. But, yeah, she overcame that and she had her two little boys in that time as well. So she was coming back as a mother of one and she just kept coming back and back at that scene where, you know, Sandy told her that she'd made yes. the Opal squad yeah. for the World Cup was just incredible and it was on home soil. This was such an important World Cup for the Opals to be on home soil as well because they had had that really awful and they describe it as a traumatic experience um, at the Tokyo Games, the previous game where, you know, they had the fallout with Liz Cambage. She mm. quit the team on the eve of, of Tokyo and, you know, the players and Sandy called that a dark and traumatic time. I don't think we can really, um, really know the full extent of just how difficult that was for the Opals. So this was all part of their healing process to be able to come back on home soil and dominate that World Cup and just to see the crowds that we had and the interest that was there for for the opals and you could see what they call this opal sisterhood how they were bonding together and and of course then having the goat the greatest of all time lauren jackson coming back into the team and just you know her presence there was exceptional they didn't make the um the final the gold medal game but they made bronze medal mm. match as well and a lot of them said and lauren said this as well it's better to win bronze than perhaps 
win silver because you lose a game to get silver but you win a game to get bronze and that final match (laughs) and it seems weird to have like a bronze medal with so many gold medals and records you know to have it as our top two but it was such an inspiring moment LJ's comeback you know such a joy to be able to see her play again she dominated that final player of the match as well in that bronze medal match um it was just LJ of old it was just just pure magic watching the ball just go through the hoop time and time again and she was just exceptional so truly inspiring and I love with mums dominating now as well because it is hard to get back into Mm -hmm. sport um, even exercise after you have a baby so these women and these mum dominating on on the world stage is just yeah and I find what I inspiring. What I loved um, listening in the podcast that you recorded with um, Lauren was that she spoke about like, you know, how it was a dream come true to come back, but also she was there to support the team no matter what her role in yeah. it was. You know, if she played three minutes, if she played five, if she played mm. 15, it didn't matter. She was there to support the team. And I think, um, you know, with experience, you, you get that, you gain that. And um, she knew how important... It was her just being there um, and how she was saying she was a bit of a cheerleader on the sidelines at times. Um, And I think (laughs) that is... She says she injured her shoulder cheering. Which, you know, we all understand when you get, you know, to a certain age. (laughs) But I just... That's it. Um, I just, I loved hearing that because, no, you know, she is this, she's the GOAT. She's the greatest of all time. Mm. But she knew that she didn't necessarily have to be on the court Mm. to be delivering what she needed to to the team. And I just yeah. thought that was just such a really important message. Yeah. And um, she is really is. Semi against, against China. China, yeah. She only played three minutes. Yep. And we, everyone was like, why are you putting LJ on more and more? And then she came out in that bronze medal match and I think she played 20-something minutes and she was just exceptional. And, yeah, I think she had a point to prove as well. And she was just she said she was just feeling it, didn't she, in that mm-hmm. podcast? She was just feeling it. It was just everything was happening. She tried those moves before and... Um, Gives me goosebumps. You know, when it all just comes together. I know, it was like fate. It was just the perfect end Mm. to her international career. And I think when your career ends initially because of injury, that's that's a difficult way to end. So to finish on a high like that with a player of the match performance and such a dominant performance and then getting the bronze. And I, I love just the way the unity with the Opals as well, how they've all come together and after such a difficult time, it's just, yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah, really Which special. leaves us. That was number two. Oh, number one. Leaves us with number one. Mm. And we both agreed on this one. Oh, hands down. It yeah. was, yeah. yeah. And for me, this one, I kept thinking, did this happen last year? I couldn't was remember. This, oh, this year? <laughs> Is this this year? Yeah. Was it last year? Yeah. It was like 2022. Did this happen? Yeah. Do you want to start us off and tell oh. everyone what the number one moment for oh. us, for women in sport in 2022 is? Of course it's Ash Barty. Ash Barty, (laughs) first Australian woman to win the Australian Open in 44 years. We'll get to her retirement shock a little bit later, but let's sit on that for a little bit. Um, The weight of the nation on her shoulders. You know, Mm. we we wanted Ash to win. Um, Mm, You know, we were willing her on to do it and she took all that pressure and she just delivered and it just speaks Mm. volumes to the person that she is. She's a superstar mm. on the court, but I feel like everyone knows her off the court. You know what you're going to mm. get with Ash. She's just so likable. 
you know, she's the girl just, next door. That's isn't it. She? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we all remember, yeah. the, you know, those photos, the photo that was going around on social media, you know, little Ash Barty, she was holding her tennis racket. Oh, she was yes. holding her um, her little trophy that she'd won. <laughs> yeah. And just to see, you know, go from that to then this superstar woman mm. taking out the Australian Open, it was just what an amazing achievement. Mm. It was just incredible. Yeah. And to be Danielle Collins... US player mm-hmm. as well in straight sets. Yep. Um, 6-3 first set, we were like, oh, this is breezing. Yeah. But then Collins fought back in that second set. She was up 5-1. What are you and doing? It was like something just, <laughs> yeah, we were like, uh-oh, this here we go. A, yeah. I think we've, we've seen this happen before. What's what's happening here? Um, and the anxiety I think we all mm. felt watching that. But then uh, something just changed in Ash. She just had that steely look in her eye and in a spectacular comeback she just kept winning point after point after point and she sealed the win in a second set tie break so to win in the end in straight sets um I love the moment where she was presented the trophy by her idol Yvonne Gulagong um which was such a beautiful moment and um they kept that a bit secret that Yvonne was there um Kathy Freeman another incredible great Australian and Indigenous Australian as well she was in the crowd and we we just and there was photos you talk about photos photos of Ash and Kathy and Yvonne and just three incredible First Nations women Mm. together and it was just uh yeah a really big beautiful moment and I think that then I was I was just going to oh, say no. the most impressive thing that I I find about Ash is that she always celebrates the win with her team. You know, it, it's mm. a, an individual sport for her. She's out there playing by herself, but she always credits the win. Like she always says, "My team, you know, we've done this, we've achieved this, mm. we've taken out the Australian." Like she she mm. always celebrates the win with her team because she's very well aware of you know what it takes to get to that elite level. You need mm. a group of supportive people around you. And yeah. I, I think that's what I just find really impressive. It's it's never a selfish mentality. She is mm. always, you know, so grateful the, for the people that, you know, that she surrounds herself with. And I think that's just such a humble, she's so raw, um, she's so Aussie. And, and, you know, that's what we just, yeah. we love about her. Yeah. But then. And then, <laughs> less than three months later, bombshell mm. announcement that at 25, at world number one with three majors, 110 weeks in top spot. She's going to give it all away and quit the sport. She's um, at her peak, at her prime, but she's content. She's complete and without Mm. any influence of outside expectation, she ended her career on her own terms, grateful and happy. And although we were shocked, disappointed, but so respectful, I think she earned a lot of respect for that decision and, um, yeah, just took <laughs> And it's hard to comprehend, isn't it, sometimes because you're like, oh, you're so, you're so good. You're dominating right you're now. Again. You could yes. go on to achieve this, this, this and this. But, you know, if your heart's not in it and, you know, she mm. knows what it takes to, to achieve those things, to be at that elite level yeah. day in, day out and, you know, there's so much respect for Ash to just be like, mm. no, nah, I'm, I'm done. Um, because it's so such a big respect. call to make, isn't it? To when you yeah. are at the top and you think, will I, you know, could I get there again, or you know, should I hang on and mm. just get more titles or or whatever? But mm. if that's not what's going to make you happy, then um, yeah, I just think it's such a a big call to make, but 
one that she did on her own I feel terms. Like we could we could all if something I think, yeah, something you really admire about Ash for making that decision because I I feel it's something we can all take out about mm. that. Like take from that, sorry, is that, you know, she was so content. She was satisfied. She was grateful. And, you know, what was important for her wasn't winning yeah. more world titles or world titles, sorry, wasn't winning, winning more majors or events yeah. or being world number one anymore. It was about being happy and having personal satisfaction. And I guess in a way she lived this extraordinary life, but sometimes I think you can have more enjoyment in the ordinary and extraordinary. Mm. And I think that's what Ash kind of discovered. And I think that we can all take something out of that. There's extraordinary and ordinary yeah. as well. And um, and to be happy and content, you don't have to be at the top of your game consistently and keep winning and, you know, adhere and to others' expectations. You can set your own expectations and be able to define what makes you happy. And I think there's a lesson in in that for all of us, don't you oh, think? That's so true. At 25. I, I know. Jeez. What an incredible <laughs> legacy. Like it's just amazing to to teach the nation a lesson at that young age. It's just incredible. Mm. And, of course, then obviously then there's all the speculation like, oh, what will she do next? Well, you know, yeah. will she try a hand at golf? Will she, you know, yes. will, like there's so much because we we just couldn't let her go. Richmond just, was like she's a big Richmond fan. Yes. Like, will she, she play AFL? Because she took it. that big break from the game to to play mm, cricket, cricket in the early yes. days of the WBBL yeah. as well, you know, on like a tiny fraction of what she could earn being on tour. But yeah. that's that. She just does things her own way. She works out what will make herself happy and I think, yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing. So at 25, she's more mature than than some of the people that have been been playing forever and and she's just wise beyond her years. Yeah. And yeah, so much respect and admiration for doing what she's done in the game and being able to achieve what she's done, but more importantly for her to be able to make a decision. It seemed like it wasn't a hard decision mm. to make. I might have that wrong, but... I think she's so sure of character that she was like, yep, this is it. Very so, And a beautiful way to do it with Casey Delacqua, yeah. her do- former doubles partner and good friend and Casey's such a legend, like to be able to do it her way with Casey doing the interview um, and releasing that interview. It was perfect. Incredible. It really was. It was a, a stellar way to, to go out on top um, on her own terms. And, look, that is why she is our number one. yay well that concludes our list um as we said massively progressive year for women in sport look out 2023 um for even more incredible moments we'll have to do like four episodes i feel next year (laughs) i've booked you in for that one yeah no we've got a lot to cover (laughs) (laughs) hey thanks for joining us and i'll see you in 2023